Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? Welcome back. Welcome back. Boy, oh boy, I feel good. I feel good. I feel energized. I'm, uh, I must say, Thanksgiving break, I'm back in my element at home. Not to say that I don't, I, I love my college campus, right? I love my living quarters in my college campus, on my college campus. But, but I must admit, home sweet home. It does feel good to be home. So I am back in my element. Uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there uh, that is listening, that may be listening to the Isaiah Kid podcast. Uh, so welcome back. Welcome back. We got a lot to get into today. Yes, 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 yes. We have a lot to get into today. Week 11, we're going to, you know, do some review of week 11 of the NFL season. Uh, we, you know, it's, it's the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving football now, you know, this is where this is where crunch time begins with a lot of these teams. Um and you know, obviously I got I have a lot of observations. This weekend, this past weekend, I have a lot of observations about the league. And I kid you not. The league gets tougher and tougher and tougher to predict. It gets it gets so it's so hard to predict this league on a week in week out basis, especially this year. I'm going to talk about that, but first and foremost, once again, I, I got to say it again. I am at home. I'm back in my element, um, and you guys know how you guys know how it is. Like I, I'm on a college campus, but you know you may go on a vacation for five days to a week, and you just miss home, and you finally get back home. You unpack like. That's that's a little bit for me. Where got home, just back. I'm glad to be back home, but back in my normal setting. Like I said, I do like my college campus. I do love. I I, I do like my living quarters and my living space on on my college campus. But it's nothing like home. And with that being said, I I got my cowboy posters around me and so forth. My Michael Jordan poster right here, sitting next to me. So, or I should say, behind me. Uh, but before we dive into it, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into it. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. Shouts out to all the uh, the regular listeners. Shouts out to you if you are a listener that continues to come back and also spread the podcast to other people. And you're just, I mean, we're we're doing such a great job. I like you guys. I love you guys. I I, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys for continuing to support my podcast, spread my podcast. We're growing. We're growing. So I, I, I truly commend that. Thank you guys for that. So, like I said, this league gets harder and harder to predict. And I mentioned how I'm surrounded by my Cowboy posters and so forth. Let me speak on the Cowboys because I know a lot of people are begging and egging for me just to talk about the Cowboys loss versus the Chiefs this weekend. Uh, or this past weekend, I should say, uh, the Cowboys lost to the Chiefs, nineteen to nine. Uh, bad, bad offensive game uh, for the Cowboys. They haven't they they haven't looked this bad offensively all year. Um, they had a couple. They, it, it is important to note that they had a few key injuries, and this week in particular. And I, and I talk, and I talked about this over the past couple of weeks. I've been talking about this, and I've been gaining traction towards this point 
um, that I'm going to make very soon about the league this year and its teams. But it's so, 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 so difficult and so hard to predict what's going to happen week in, week out. And let me just start with the Cowboy game, right? The Cowboys, I know a lot of people want to place a lot of blame on the on Dak and oh my gosh, Dak is making 40 plus million dollars and he didn't look like he was a 40 million dollar quarterback and so forth. We can bang on that. And Dak, Dak wasn't I'm I'm not going to sit up here in front. Dak Dak didn't play great. He did not play good at all. He did not play great at all versus Kansas City. Um it, you know, Dak it just it just, you know, a lot of his throws weren't coming out on time. Um, he's, he, he wasn't as accurate as he usually is. But let's put things in perspective. Before we just bang on Dak and, oh, my gosh, Dak this, Dak that. We already knew what Dak Prescott looked like without a healthy Tyron Smith, without a healthy Amari Cooper. And then you, you add on the fact that uh, CeeDee Lamb also got concussed in the first half, so he missed the second half. So he had no CeeDee Lamb in the second half, no Mark Cooper at all, no Tyron Smith at all. And we're, and, I, and I just hear people just banging on that, banging on that. Also, give props where props are due. Kansas City finally, I, I, they, made the, they made an adjustment that I pointed out a month ago about Kansas City and their defense. And they finally got Chris Jones back, and they moved Chris Jones back to defensive tackle. They started, he started, they had Chris Jones playing defensive end, but they moved him back to, to defensive tackle. That is his, that is his natural position. That's where he best fits. And when you have Chris Jones playing defensive tackle within the interior, I always tell you guys, it is nothing more difficult in facing like the, the worst type of pressure is interior pressure because it's in the face of your quarterback. It's nothing like in getting interior pressure up the middle, up the gut, in in, in an opposing quarterback's face. And when you have Chris Jones playing at defensive tackle, you can make an argument that Chris Jones is the second best. He's as good as any defensive tackle outside of Aaron Donald. Outside of Aaron Donald, when you have Chris Jones at the right position, which is at D-tackle, he's as good, he's as dominant as anybody outside of Aaron Donald, obviously. Aaron Donald, cream of the crop, Aaron Donald's on a a whole different stratosphere by himself. Outside of Aaron Donald, Chris Jones plays the position just as good as anybody. So that also helped with Kansas City and their defense, and that's that's what... gave uh, Dallas a lot of problems, you know, where Kansas City didn't have to blitz. Kansas City was, they were, they were only able to rush four, um, or they only had to rush four, and that was effective. So Kansas City didn't have to blitz. But Dak was missing his future Hall of Famer left tackle, Amari Cooper, who, who, who would have, you know, he would have done wonders for this Cowboy team because Kansas City, they play a lot of man-to-man. And Amari Cooper, he's a he's really a really good route runner. So I I think he would have fared a little bit better than Gallup or CeeDee Lamb did in terms of that bump-and-run man-press coverage that Kansas City was playing. 
I think Amari Cooper as a route runner would have failed. He would have, I think he would have had more production and he had, he would have had more of an imprint on the game just with his route running ability. Also on the defense side of football, Dallas, they were missing two pat. They, they were missing two of the best pass rushers, Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence. So these are not excuses. These are just reasonings. These are just reasons. These are reasons. By the way, Kansas City, early on, it looked like they were going to run away with the game. They got up. They got up. They went up two possessions following a Cowboy turnover. And Dallas, with about seven, six minutes left in the in the fourth quarter, they still found themselves in the game. So this game wasn't like – it wasn't like Kansas City just – just put the beat down on Dallas and just ran all over Dallas. No. After Kansas City went up two possessions, Dallas defense started to lock down and, and, and you know, neutralize Kansas City offensively by forcing a couple turnovers in the second half. But then also, you know, Dallas, on the, on the flip side, Dallas just couldn't get anything together offensively. Dallas, Dallas... They just couldn't get anything going offensively, and it was just a bad night for Dallas offensively. I don't think this is what Dallas is uh, when fully healthy. I think we can all agree that they are a better football team when healthy. When their when their offensive line is healthy, offensively, like I, I told you guys this uh, last week, offensively they don't have many holes. So I still think Dallas is legit. I still think I, I take them very serious as an NFC contender and as a overall contender. I think this is I think this also shows that, hey, Kansas City defensively, they're starting to step it up with with just a couple guys being back on the field. D Ford. I mean, or I should say Ryan uh, Frank Clark. Uh, and then obviously I talked about Chris Jones and his impact at the defensive tackle spot. Um, but overall. And this leads to my granular point about the NFL this particular year and why it's so difficult uh, and, uh, to, you know, to predict these games and outcomes of these games on the uh, on a weekly basis. It's just it's just based on the fact that. I don't think there is no great team in the league this year. I, never mind. No, don't don't run off. And like, I don't think there is a great team. I think there's a lot of really good teams. I think we have a I think we have several really good teams. Really, really, really good teams. Right? Like I think uh Dallas, Green Bay, Arizona, uh New England, Tennessee, when they're fully healthy. I think those are really, really good teams. Uh New England. I think those are really good teams. I think we also have great units. I think certain teams have really great units. Like I think the Cowboys offensive unit is special. I think the Cowboys receiver core is special. I think the Patriots defensive unit is really good. I think there's certain units that are great, but as a team, I can go from top to bottom. I don't know if there is a great team in the NFL. There's a lot of really good teams, but on a week-in, week-out basis, I don't know if there's a great team. A lot of good teams, a lot of really, really good teams. There's really good teams, 
And I think there's teams that are pretty good that that seem like they're playoff caliber. There's teams that's, you know, inching their way into the playoffs, you know. But I don't know if there's great teams. Look at New England. Okay, we can start with New England. New England, they're probably the hottest. They're not probably. They are the hottest team in football right now. But offensively, they don't they 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 still they still leave a lot to be desired. But they're putting up they're putting up they're averaging 27 points per game. So they're doing something right. But New England's not a great team. They have a great defense with great coaching. And but their players on offense, their players on offense have been uh you know they they don't they don't wow you. Their names on offense don't wow you. Now New England does a lot. They do a lot of things really well that just travels well. Like good defense, running game, offensive line. Those things travel well on the road. Um look at Green Bay. Green Bay. Uh they, outside of Devontae Adams, they don't really have a second option. Outside of Devontae Adams, they don't really have a second option. Green Bay's offensive line, it's pretty good this year, but it's not what it usually is. Um, so even with Green Bay, they have their flaws. Dallas, I think Dallas is really talented, and they have playmakers just about at every like level of their team, but they're young, and you know, when they when when they're missing, they're top heavy. They're, they're, they've and they've added some more depth. But if they're missing a couple guys, that's where they start to taper off a little bit. Kansas City, um, offensively, we know what they can do, even though it's been a bit stagnant from week to week at times. But defensively, we know Kansas City, they don't have a lot of blue chippers. They have one blue chipper defensively. Um, so they still leave a lot to be desired. Tennessee, without Derrick Henry, obviously they don't have that physical dominant presence. But even with Derrick Henry, uh, Ryan Tannehill, there's still a question mark about Ryan Tannehill. So you guys get my gist. There's a lot of really, there's some really good teams in this league. We know, obviously, Tampa Bay. There's some really, really good teams in this league. But I don't know if we have great teams. And usually, in a normal NFL year, we usually have about two, maybe three great teams. Two, two great teams. We usually have two great teams. But we don't have that this year. And that is why it is so difficult week in, week out to consistently predict what's going to happen. It, 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 we, 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 it's so hard. It's so hard to continuously predict. Like, for instance, shouts out to the MNR show, um, Malcolm and Ron. They do their predictions on a weekly basis. They, they do pretty well. But it's just so difficult, and I commend those guys. It's difficult to consistently predict what's going to happen week in, week out. One week, Green Bay looked like the best team. One week, Dallas looked like the best team. One week, New England looked like the best team. The other week, Buffalo looked like the best. Like, there's just so many flaws. Look at Buffalo. Buffalo, good secondary, good weapons. Quarterback, solid, coaching, great, but they can't run the football. And that's a big issue. Buffalo can't run the football. 
So when I'm looking at when I'm looking, you know, Green Bay, they, they obviously had a division loss to Minnesota this week. But Green Bay, they were missing five key five key guys. So, you know, just overall looking at the over these past several weekends, right? Because I my because my my segments over the last couple weekends or my episodes over the last couple weeks have been leading up to this point where I like it's so difficult. I don't know if there's a great team. The Rams. Look at the Rams. The Rams, they're really good. But, you know, they lack r- running back depth. They don't have running back depth. Um, they don't have that same run that they don't have that same depth at the running back position like they once had. Matthew Stafford has had he's you know, he's had a couple down weeks. So, you know, from week to week, the best team it varies. Sometimes it's the Rams. Sometimes it's the Cowboys. Sometimes it's the Patriots. The Patriots are the hottest team in football right now. Sometimes it's the Titans. We don't know. But it's just so difficult to predict what happens on a weekly basis during this NFL season. It's just so difficult. Um, now, I do want to shift gears to something that is not very hard to figure out. And I don't think it's something that is very – I don't think this is really something that can be really debated upon. And I'm going to shift to the New York Giants in the firing of offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. And, and you know, so I was talking about, uh, you know, the unpredictability of this year in the NFL and mainly the the, the top-tier teams, the, the, the cream of the crop. The Cowboys, the Buccaneers, the Rams, the Titans. Like, I don't know which – I think for Buffalo, you know, like I said, their running game is is noticeable or their lack thereof of a running game is noticeable and the better teams in the league are just picking out and they're, and, and they're being able to exploit that weakness. Uh, like I said, the Rams sometimes, you know, they can be a bit physically out-dominated. Those teams, you know, they're they're really good teams, I, and you know, trying to def, trying to figure out who's the best is a debate that we can all have, right? But with the but with the New York Football Giants, right? Uh, after their their just embarrassing loss on Monday Night Football to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, twenty seven to ten, uh, Joe Judge, who you know. I, it looked like it was going in the right direction. Like it started off decent, but obviously you're looking at the Giants now. The Giants are three and seven, and that led to Joe Judge firing uh, Jason Garrett, uh, Daniel Jones. Obviously, this is his year, or this is the year where the Giants have to figure out if they're going to either pick up uh, his fifth year option. They probably won't. They probably won't pick up his fifth year option. And they probably let him walk, whatever, right? So that that and then so this this all of this brings me back to Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman, right? <laughs> the New York Giants, and I, I I swear to you not, I cared you not. The New York Giants have been trying to rebuild their offensive line for the last four to five years, and Gettleman's whole thing is we want to build the offensive line from inside out. Inside out, we want to rebuild the offensive line. It is still, like, it has yet to work. It has yet to work. And I, I've i seen countless teams throughout the league rebuild their offensive line 
in a in a one to two year span, the Giants have been trying to rebuild their offensive line for the last four to five years. And the Jason Garrett firing, um, you know, I, I, Jason Garrett, it, it, you know, he's we all know Jason Garrett is a cons- he's a very conservative play caller. Um, he's more conservative than Mitch McConnell, right? Like, like Jason Garrett is Mr. Conservative himself, right? But with the with the with the struggles of the offensive line that the Giants have had over the last four to five years, as I, as I stated already, the o- offensive line offensively it starts with the offensive line, and if you don't have a decent offensive line. You can't do anything. You can't run the football effectively if you don't have a decent offensive line. The Giants have had a below average offensive line. So let's start right there. So the running game, you have no running game to rely on and lean on, right? So that means you can't rely on the play action passing. You can't you can't dial up these vertical passing plays because in order for those routes to develop and open up, you have to have you have to give your quarterback a decent amount of time to actually deliver the football. But then also you look at Daniel Jones, the Daniel Jones problem. What is Daniel Jones' biggest problem? Turnovers. What now, granted, a lot some of some of Daniel Jones' turnovers, some of his turnover issues, it's on Daniel Jones. He just can't keep the ball safe. But there is times, and there's countless times, where the Giants offensive line is just getting abused and Daniel Jones often finds himself under distress and he turns over the football. So all of these factors, not having a running game, not being able to move the ball offensively, like all of these factors feed into the fact that the giants have yet to rebuild their offensive line. You want to, you want to hear a funny stat? From twenty since twenty twenty up until now, since the start of the twenty twenty season up until now, out of all thirty two teams in the league, the Giants have the least amount of touchdowns. From the start of the twenty twenty season from last year all the way up to now, the Giants have the least amount of total touchdowns in football. The Detroit Lions. The, ja- the Jacksonville Jack, all these teams we make fun of that we that you know that are like the the laughing stock of the league, they all have more touchdowns than the New York Giants. So that right there shows you the the lack of productivity that this offense has been bringing you over the last couple years, and pl- some of the, some of that onus does go on the play calling and the offense coordinator who is Jason Garrett who got fired. But also, Dave Gettleman has just done a horrible job at trying to do whatever he's trying to do with this offensive line. And then nobody wants to talk about it. It's the big elephant in the room, but the number two pick, Saquon Barkley. We don't, I don't think we talk about it enough, but the Giants literally wasted a number two overall pick on Saquon Barkley. And I'm not saying Saquon Barkley at the time um wasn't a good player like he was a really good prospect but i can remember leading up to the draft so many people were calling saquon barkley uh, 
they were just giving Saquon Barkley his gold jacket. People were, he, he, he didn't even play a, a he didn't even play a snap in the NFL, and people were giving Saquon Barkley his gold jacket. And I'm like, why? And I could just remember people saying, oh, his thighs. Saquon Barkley got big thighs. What? What? Is he worth the number two overall pick? Well, who cares about his thighs? <laughs> like, who cares about his thighs? People just, I mean, I can just hear some people, some scouts were just in awe of the size of his thighs. And I'm like, what does that have to do with him being the number two overall pick? How was he going to produce? How was he going to be productive? And it just hasn't worked out. Saquon Barkley, before his, you know, before a couple of his injuries, his big time injuries, never really, you know, explosive. We see, we see signs of explosiveness and what we saw at Penn State prior to the injuries, but not fully there yet, right? And then before, and then now after the injury, the, the torn ACL and the, the ankle, like you just don't see it. You just don't see it. So that's the number two pick that was just that's just gone down the drain. And this and and this is one of once again for the I don't know one millionth time why you don't choose a running back so high up in the draft. It is that is that is exactly why you don't pick a running back at number two. <laughs> and that's what the Giants did. The Giants picked a, a running back with the number two overall pick. Think about that. And people are wondering why the Giants are struggling. Well, you drafted a running back at number two. <laughs> Go kill yourself. Like, like I mean, Dave Gettleman, Dave Gettleman just have done a poor job at rebuilding this roster offensively. Um, and it's just, it's just a it's just left a lingering effect. It's a domino effect. Because if your offensive line isn't good then that makes the play caller's job even more difficult because you can't run the ball effectively. You can't set up the play-action passing game effectively. You can't dial up these vertical passing patterns and, and routes because, you, you you know, it takes time to develop, and in order for those routes to develop, you have to give your court, your quarterback time to deliver the ball. So it's just a domino effect. And then we talk about the Daniel Jones turnovers, but it's a domino effect. The offensive line isn't good. And Dave Gettleman has been trying to solve this offensive line problem for years now. We're going on almost five years, almost five, almost four to five years where he's been tr trying to rebuild the offensive line. Here, I look at the Chargers. The Chargers last year had a poor offensive line. Their offensive line last year was below average. Now, offensive line is pretty decent. You know why? They went out and drafted Rashawn Slater at left tackle. He hit. They went out. They went out in free agency. They spent big money on Corey Lindsley, all pro center. He hit. They drafted another right tackle. Another right tackle, excuse me. Cleveland. Look at Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland a couple years Cleveland a couple years ago had a horrible offensive line. You look now, they got all pro guy. They got all pro everywhere. They got all pros everywhere along their offensive line. So the fact that it's taken four to five years for Dave Gettleman to rebuild and draft offensive linemen, just decent. I mean, I'm not saying it has to be the, the 90s Cowboys or the 80s Ritz. Like, no. But 
the fact that they can't find decent offensive linemen is just atrocious. And like I said, I, I'm not surprised about the Jason Garrett firing, but the Giants are horrible as a whole. And that may not be the first, that may not be the last firing that happens within the Giants organization. That may not be the last firing. Also, remember, my top 10 teams coming up. My top 10 teams coming up. So be, be, make sure you stay tuned for that. My top 10 teams. I spent a lot of time on this. Uh, so my top 10 teams will be coming up shortly after this break. And, and more with the Giants, right? I mean, Daniel Jones, right? I, I mentioned that. It's his fifth-year option, and the, the Giants have to make a decision. Uh, and I, I pointed out the offense and it's, it, you know, the lack of production there. And like I said, there, I think there's a multitude of factors. Like obviously, Jason Garrett being ultra-conservative, Dave Gettleman and his plan and trying to rebuild this offensive line, and yet this offensive line four years later is still a complete mess and not good whatsoever. Daniel Jones, the writing was kind of on the wall. Turnover prone. Um, he's been turnover prone since he's entered the league. Um, and, 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 and at times, he shows flashes. At times, he shows flashes. Like, he can make a couple throws. Like, he can make throws. But when you watch some of the other younger quarterbacks in the league, it, it, it he's just not that. He's just not close. It, like, and I mean young quarterbacks. I'm talking about, like, the Justin Herberts, the Kyla Murrays, the Joe Burrows, like even Mac, like even Mac Jones to a degree, and I, I just don't see it with Daniel Jones. Now, obviously, different situations come with different things and so forth. But look, but let's talk. Let's talk about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert last year was thrust under a bad offensive line. Yeah, the Chargers had weapons and receiver talent, but they couldn't close out games in every which way the Chargers found a new way, it seemed like, last year to find – they 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 found a new way to lose games every every like every week last year. They just found a new way to just collapse and lose games within the fourth quarter, and Herbert had, deal, had to deal with that. And he still has to to a certain degree where, like, last week, Versus the Steelers this past week. Sunday night football, Chargers got a sizable lead. Then their their defense just collapsed, gives up 27 points in the fourth quarter. And thankfully, Justin Herbert, 400-plus total yards of offense with three touchdowns, he saves the day. But, like, Daniel Jones, he, like, you, you look at Herbert, you look at Daniel, like, it's nowhere near, it's not, it's not even close. You look at Burrow, you look at Daniel, it's not even close. Like, it's not even close. I mean, Joe Burrow... You know, the, the the Cincinnati Bengals have tapered off a bit uh, for where they were like a month ago. But Cincinnati, Joe Burrow has Cincinnati. He has dysfunctional Cincinnati at 6-4. and four. Joe Burrow, dysfunctional Cincinnati at 6-4. and four. So when when you know when we get into this whole Daniel Jones stuff, you look at you look at who his coach was at Duke, David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe is he's really good with quarterbacks. He's really good at maturing quarterbacks. Daniel Jones had a completion percentage of fifty nine percent. His completion percentage in college was fifty nine percent. Now, granted, 
he didn't play with the best talent, but he also did he also didn't play like in the best conference either. So like it balanced itself out. Even though he went to Duke, and a lot of you guys are gonna probably argue, oh, well, he went to Duke. Who plays at Duke? Well, he played in the ACC with a talent where the, the competition is not as strong as it is in the Big Ten or in the SEC. So it, it, it kind of balances itself out where, well, who was he throwing to? Well, who was he playing against, right? And you look at the you look at the mere fact that he had a he had a, a great quarterback mentor as his coach. And it's it still hasn't it still didn't register, but then now we're we're years into Daniel Jones' career, and it's still something is still not there. Like I said, there's a multitude. There's a, there, I think this is multifaceted with the Giants, but I don't see how they move on with. I don't know. I don't see how. They can continue and see their future with Daniel Jones as their quarterback. I just don't see how. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And right now, at three and seven, uh, like I said, offensively over the last year or so, they have just been bad. They've been average. They not even average, below average, below average. They're bad. They're bad. And, and you know, I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think there's any real. Super Bowl favorite, like I said, that's what I mean by great team. I don't think there is, I don't think there's no real Super Bowl favorite, but I do know the teams that are bad, and the Giants are one of those teams that are bad. They are a bad football team, and offensively, it's it, it, it's 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 bad to watch. If you're a Giants fan, it's bad to watch, and I think it is very, I think it'd be smart. If the Giants put their name in the hat for a quarterback this offseason, whether that is they got they gotta they gotta they gotta they gotta find some way somehow to get into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, so forth. Um to, because they gotta move on from Daniel Jones. Simple as that. They gotta move on from Daniel Jones. It because the you know it's not gonna work. It's clearly not going to work. They got to find. They got to find them a guy. They have to find them a guy, because you. Because like, think about it. The Giants, the Giants are a franchise. They're a competitive franchise. They don't have as rich as a history as like the Steelers or the 49ers or necessarily like the Cowboys, but the Giants have a, a sense of pride about themselves as an organization. And they had, and they have been one of the more blue collar, blue chip, blue blood franchises within the NFL, uh, at least during like the '80s, the '90s, the early 2000s, and, and the 2000s. Though we know we know those teams with Eli and and, and led by Eli and Tom Coughlin. They'll like throughout the throughout that time frame and that span. They have always been somewhat of, at least at, at the bare minimum, a competitive franchise. But over the last four years, over the last three to four years, they've just been lingering at the bottom of the NFC East. And they have been a bad football team. They've been a bad franchise. It's it's one of the worst stretches in Giants history. So they got to find a way to flip it. 
And it starts, like I said, I don't think that I, I'm, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you guys this. I don't think that I don't think Jason Garrett's gonna be the only firing this off this season or this offseason or the last firing for the Giants. I just don't. Maybe they give Joe Judge another opportunity with another quarterback. Maybe they give him another. Maybe they give him another opportunity. Dave Gettleman. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, Dave Gettleman. I mean, you had four years to rebuild the offensive line. I've literally seen multiple teams rebuild their offensive line in a course of a year. In a course of a year, I've seen teams rebuild their offensive line. The Chargers. I mentioned it already. Rebuild, they've rebuilt their offensive line in the course of a year. What's the problem? I don't know. What's up, y'all? Do you know, do you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? Want to rep your favorite team on any given day? Then what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Go to the47brand.com right now. Holiday sales. I'm sure they're going to have a Black Friday sale. Go check it out right now. Free shipping for orders. 75 plus dollars so you guys go over there to the 47 brand they have your favorite teams from the mlb to the nhl to the nfl nba or ncaa it does not matter the 47 brand has it go over there get something rep your favorite team any given day go check out that sale before it runs out go check it out the 47 brand all right. Okay. So my top ten teams. Here we go. So you guys know how we do it. How we get down. Top ten teams of the week. Uh, going into week twelve after week eleven, we do this on a weekly basis. We do it on a weekly basis. So let's start at the top. At number ten, I'm gonna go with the Buffalo Bills. You know, I it's ver- it's just so difficult for me to put this team on here or any like higher on this list. They they have just head scratching losses. Um, I still believe in them, but they cannot run the football at all. They can't run the football to save their life. Uh, they struggle at running the football. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a big problem uh, as the season continues. Uh, the better teams in the league are starting to catch on to the fact that they cannot run the football and cannot control the line of scrimmage up front. At number nine, I have the Indianapolis Colts that just – Beat down the Bills. Um, you know, I told people, I said the Colts, they won five of the last six games. They feel like a playoff team. Jonathan Taylor seems like he is he, he's leaving off where Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor is, he's picking up where Derrick Henry left off. Uh, like he's just been absolutely killing five touchdowns just uh this past Sunday versus the Bills. Uh Carson went six and two in his last eight games. Uh it, it, you know, everything I said about about this Indianapolis team's started off really really slow because they had a murderous row schedule and I pointed that out before the season started but I am not surprised that this team has bounced back they have a they have a pretty put together well roster good coaching Carson Wentz good quarterback play not turn over the football as frequently and he has John and he has John Taylor to rely on so I have the Indianapolis Colts at nine at eight, I'm gonna go with the LA Rams. Uh, they coming off a bye. They coming off a bye going into Week 12. Uh, they go up to Green Bay. This should be a really interesting game and show me where the Rams are. But I have them at eight. You guys know how I feel about them. Very finesse. Can be pushed around a bit. They are physical. 
but you can get but you can fit if you can out physical the Rams and control the game and control the clock, you can beat them. But I got them at eight. And number seven, <clears throat> this may be a little too low, given the fact they did that they just beat the Cowboys just past week. But I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs at number seven. Um defensively, it seems like they're starting to get their mojo back a little bit. Granted, the last few games they've played up against Daniel Jones and Jordan Love and so forth, but it seems like they're getting a mojo back with Chris Jones being back. Offensively, they don't feel as dynamic as they once were like the last couple years. They don't feel as dynamic. You know, they don't just feel they don't they don't have that pop, that dynamic pop that they usually have. That's why I have them at seven. At number six, I'm gonna go with the Baltimore Ravens. They beat the Chiefs this er earlier in the year. Baltimore to me seems like they have plateaued offensively. Defensively, I, I have a lot of questions, especially especially about the secondary. But it seems like they have plateaued, but I give them the benefit of the doubt. Baltimore at six. At number five, I got the Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> you know, Dallas, I'm not, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Not going to panic yet about this Cowboy team, even though they've lost two of their last three games. I'm not going to panic yet. I think they get back on track. If they, if this Cowboy team is healthy, I think they are as dangerous and as good as anybody in the NFC. If their offensive line is healthy, if their guys are healthy, they are as good and as dangerous as anybody in the NFC. I repeat that. Um, they're that good. I think this Cowboy team is that good. That that good. They get some key defensive pieces back, along with Tyron Smith. I think they're as good as anybody. Cowboys at five. At number four, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with the New England Patriots. Now, <clears throat> the Patriots, they're the hot. They're, they're they're they are the hottest team in football right now. I did some real serious contemplating about moving up, um, uh, moving them up a little bit higher. The thing that scares me about them is their lack of explosiveness offensively. Yes, they have shown flashes of it, but how how explosive are they compared to the Buccaneers or the Packers? That's where I worry with the with the Patriots. That's why I had them ranked a little bit below four, um, or a little bit below Tampa Bay. But then at number three, I have Tampa Bay, uh, due to the fact that they are a little they they are a little bit more explosive, a little questionable defense, but a little bit more explosive. They give me more explosiveness on offense, and they beat New England at New England. At number two, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Um, despite the loss versus Minnesota this, this past weekend, Minnesota, first of all, Minnesota, that's, that's a divisional game. Second of all, Green Bay was missing five of their, of their six keys. They were missing five key starters. They were missing five to six key starters. Um, they, were, they almost squeaked out a win. They didn't. I still like this Green Bay team. I got them at number two. And at number one, I mean, Arizona, they they – they beat San Francisco at San Francisco. They had, they did have a head scratching, head scratching loss to Carolina the, the last weekend, but this past week they went up to Seattle and won. So like this this Arizona team, I think they're legit. Like I'm not so sold on Cliff Kingsbury, but I want to see what they look like with a healthy Kyler Murray. Um, but I, I'm I, I like this Arizona team, so I have them at number one this week. As I told you guys, there's no great teams in this league. It, on a week-to-week -week basis, it can really it can really flip-flop, and it's so tough to predict. But this is my weekly top 10 list.
my weekly top 10 list. My weekly top 10 list. Uh, and I think, um, you know, this is pretty good. Pretty productive. Pretty productive. Uh, I can't wait to do a Saturday episode. Um, definitely going to bring you guys a Saturday episode. Definitely. Um, uh, I can't wait to talk about some Michigan and Jim Hallball. Jim Hallball. I'm going to give you guys a Saturday episode. But uh, shouts out to Michigan. All you Jim Hallball haters. I, I, I told you guys, Jim Hallball, 10-1. Ann Arbor, they play Ohio State. I can't wait. I'm going to see you guys on Saturday. Uh, always remember two choices, one decision. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Peace is deuce. I'm out.